Hey everyone, Mario Barecki here, and I am known as the Conversation Guy. I'm also the founder of MediaMar, and at MediaMar, we help thought leaders craft and distribute conversations that convert. I believe everything starts with a conversation. I believe conversations are the most powerful way to create connections, to create relationships, and to create opportunities with each other. So everything has a basis in conversation. And on this podcast that you're about to listen to, I'm going to have 10-minute conversations with thought leaders to do just that, create relationships, create opportunity, but more importantly, to convey value, value from them and their perspective and how they operate on a daily basis, and to really tell a story that can bring some value and positivity, tips, tricks, ideas, what have you, to your life to make it better. So sit back, relax, buckle in. It's going to be a wild ride. I know those things don't quite go together. Sit back, relax, and buckle in. But it's going to be a lot of fun, and we're going to get the conversation started right now. And as always, don't forget, if you like what you hear, please rate and review our podcast. It is my honor and privilege to bring back onto the line Wiley Robinson. Wiley is the founder of Rumple, and Rumple is on a mission to introduce the world to better blankets. They apply performance materials, typically found in premium outdoor gear and activewear, to modernize a dated and boring blanket category. They make blankets for everywhere. And if you listen to the last episode, Wiley told the story about how Rumple came to be, which was super interesting and fun. So go back and listen to that episode. Get yourself caught up and we'll still be here when you get back. But you can grab some of their products and see everything they're up to at rumple.com. That's R-U-M-P-L.com. So go there, check them out. Wiley, welcome back, my friend. Thanks so much. I'm glad to be back. It's great to have you back. I enjoyed talking to you on the last episode. And I want to talk to you. We talked a lot about your products, how they came to be, how, how you're using them, how you're testing them, what your favorite one is. But I think in this conversation, I want to get a little more into kind of biz dev because I, as a business owner myself, I love talking to other business owners and hearing their stories and specifically you know, problem solving because I really think a lot, almost all business owners or business operators, I should say, are you know problem solvers, and that's what you have to be. You have to be ready to solve the next problem. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs, and I talk about this a lot on the show, they have this idea, especially when they get started, that if they hit this certain benchmark that they set in their mind, that all their problems will go away. But as you said, it's the complete opposite, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the magnitude of your decisions become greater. The magnitude of the problems become greater. Uh, in theory, if your business is scaling, the magnitude of people impacted by those decisions is greater. And so, yeah, it's it's uh, it's the classic line: more money, more problems. <laughs> as the, <laughs> as the business grows, the, the problems grow with it. That's true. And you know, th the thing that I like to keep in mind, though, is when you get to that point, you do have more resources and more experience in which to work with. So it's not like the problem is disproportionate to your ability to solve it. However, you have to. I think it's important to get into that mindset of always. Instead of looking at looking at it as a problem, maybe reframing it as a challenge. Because to me, anyway, in my mind, when I see something as a problem, I tend to kind of want to stay away from it because it's a problem. But if it's a challenge, I'm ready to go. I want to meet that challenge. How do I'm rolling up my sleeves? I want to overcome that. Do you find that something similar in your mind? I do. I think that uh, I think that there's a big component too of sort of. Problem navigation. I'll I'll keep using the word problem just um, for the sake of of this conversation. But like, you know, if you foresee something that might cause problems, you get better at acknowledging that early on as you get more experienced. And if you see things that actually present opportunity, those then become challenges. 
And so that I think is, is sort of the designation between the two is identifying if the outcome that you're trying to achieve is actually going to be worth the effort. Um, and if it is, then it really translates into a challenge. Whereas if it's sort of riddled with potholes and things that, you know, might cause issues, that just becomes a problem. You really don't want to go down that road. And you do, to your point, want to kind of avoid those, those types of activities. Yeah. And the other thing I want to make there, the distinction I want to make about what you just said that I think is super important is that you're not actively searching for problems, but you're just more keenly aware to where they may pop up. Mm-hmm. So you're not someone who's out there trying to make problems that you don't have per se, but you're there being aware that this could be a, this could be something later. This might be something we want to address now so it doesn't become something later. And the more experience you have, the less you run from, the better you'll get at doing that and the less problems you'll actually have full bloomed into full blown problems. Exactly. That's right. So, yeah, so it's it's about identifying those things. And as I told you, I think the, the people who are the, and I've talked to a lot of people, especially entrepreneurs, and I think the most successful people that I've talked to are the ones who make decisions quickly, but aren't, but learn from their mistakes. So, you know, at the beginning, you, you're going to make more mistakes that, than you, then you probably get things right. But if you learn from those mistakes and continue to make decisions and don't have that, you know, paralysis of analysis type of thing, or be afraid to make them, you'll begin to make them more correctly over time. And those are the most successful. You have to, there's something to be said of speed, but at Mm -hmm. the same time, there's something to be said of not going so fast that you don't get the data and learn from what you've done. Yeah, it's it's definitely a blend of speed and decision quality. Uh So I think if you, if you can, you know, opt, if you can operate fairly highly in both of those categories, you're going to be pretty successful. So when when you're let's not talk about your Kickstarter for a minute because you said you you got in this Kickstarter campaign and you generated like a quarter of a million dollars in thirty days. When that happened, what kind of unforeseen challenges did that bring up for you? Because now th- that made it, I'm sure, really real. That mm-hmm. scaled pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. How did you? What challenges came up and how did you meet those? Yeah, so I mean, the the first challenge I would say is just the challenge of fulfillment. We didn't have any fulfillment infrastructure set up before launching the campaign. We thought, you know, maybe a hundred of these things will sell and we'll just fulfill them out of the apartment. But when we had, I think, you know, over 2000 products sold, we had to find a real fulfillment solution and we had to find a warehouse and we had to find a logistics provider that would help us with that. We had to deal with a lot more, you know, receiving logistics where we were receiving much more goods than we had anticipated. So that was something we had done zero planning for at the start of the campaign. That's like one example. I mean, there's plenty like that, but well, I was going to say you and your partner were de- are both designers, correct? Mm-hmm, that's right. So when these things came up and you had to deal with these things for the first time, how did you go about dealing with them? Like, what did you what's what was your process like? I mean, this is still the process today. If if we get ourselves into a situation that we have no experience with, we ask our network. I mean, there's there's a good network of peer entrepreneurs, other brands. You know, now we have investors and advisors and all that, but. Uh, just asking anybody we might know that might have some insight on that. That's like always the first thing I go to. That's good because, yeah, there's a lot of things that come up and they come up fast, right? Because it's like this wasn't something you had all this time in the world to prepare for. You put this Kickstarter out there. It was you got more than you asked for, which is a good problem to have. But nevertheless, you still had to figure out a way to solve it and to do it in the right way because just as as good of a problem as it was, if it wasn't handled correctly, it could have been completely the opposite, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, in a, this is sort of related to the fulfillment piece of it, but the warehousing 
was just such an issue because the product itself isn't that small. You know, it's a, it's one unit is about a, you know, about a foot tall and call it half a foot wide. And when you stack up, you know, two, 3000 of those units, it's like, you need quite a bit of space to actually store the things, let alone box them up and print out shipping labels and all that stuff. So, um, that, that was a big component too, is like, could we afford this warehouse space? What were going to be the most, you know, effective ways to actually get the product to customers? And, and just broadly speaking, I think fulfillment was such a big challenge that we had to deal with. What do you think, what is the most valuable lesson you've learned since starting Rumple? Uh, I think the most valuable lesson I've learned actually happened in 2019. Uh, so pretty recently. And uh, we were really adamant about transitioning all of our product to post-consumer recycled content. Uh, when we started the business, the technology, the materials weren't really there to to make them as good as we could with virgin materials. So we elected to not use post-consumer recycled content for the shell and the insulation material in our products. Eventually, you know, four or five years later, it got really good. There was more consumer demand for it. More brands started doing it. The supply chain started developing products that were as good or better than the virgin materials. So we said, all right, let's let's make this transition. Let's transition all of our products over to post-consumer recycled. And we did that. And we thought this was going to be this huge, you know, inflection point for the brand where way more people were going to buy it and and we would just be this gigantic business overnight. But what ended up happening is we just had all of this, you know, what we would call 1.0 product, old product, still in the marketplace. And we immediately put it on discount to try to flow through it. But there was just a lot of it left. And retailers started putting it on discount. And what ended up happening is that the marketplace was just super saturated with discounted Rumble product. And sell-through of the new stuff was really slow. And it really just like kind of ground the momentum of the business to a halt. It was like we were just dealing with you know stuff on eBay all over the place and tons of Amazon resellers and everything because we had we had tried to clear out as much of this stuff as possible through our sales channels and through our website and people were just buying it up at a low price and selling it for five or six bucks more on on eBay or Amazon and it was just this really uh, you know unclean marketplace that uh, that caused a big challenge for our revenue goals and our overall goals for the business during that year. So I would never, if you're going to make a product change, I would always recommend trying to do it in steps and uh, really making sure that you've considered the impact of the old product that you that you have not made changes to. How did you solve that problem? Honestly, we had to wait around. We had to just wait for that old product to move through the marketplace. And once that had happened, uh, people were then again willing to pay full price for our newer product. Um, ultimately, unfortunately, people didn't care as much as we thought they were going to about the fact that the product was entirely recycled. Um, I think now that we've done it, it's great for the brand. And we're on this cadence now where we do very, very little discounting, if any, um, and people pay premium price for the product, full MSRP. But uh, for a while there, when there was just tons of discounted stuff, that's what people were buying first. If you had to do it again, knowing what you know now, how would you approach it? Well, I think for one, I would be uh, very cautious about the inventory position that I was in in advance of bringing in the new product. So making sure I had sold through as it would have been way better to sell through that 1.0 product at full price and be like out of stock for a little while than to bring in all the new products and have them kind of overlap in the in the calendar. Um, so I would be very, very intentional about how much inventory I was carrying moving into that new product rollout. I would also probably um, maybe maybe lighten the message a little bit about how different the new product was. Um, we thought it was going to be something that that everybody would care a ton about. 
And really they didn't, you know, that that's sort of the, the short story of it is that they didn't, they didn't care as much as we thought that they were going to the product is now recycled. So I would probably be a little lighter on consumer facing messaging about the upgrades, quote unquote, that we had made. Um, the product itself was essentially the exact same. It was just now made out of recycled content. And so I think that that's something you can kind of roll out as a soft, soft change and then amplify your messaging once that product is is fully out there in the marketplace. So, Wiley, before I let you go, I want to ask you one more question. And it's kind of has to do with the blending of your life and the business. I want to ask you now, you know, you're a business owner, you have a successful company that you're operating day, day to day and that you're very passionate about and you're excited, you're innovating. What's the biggest impact having this company and operating this company has had on your personal life? That's a really good question. Um, I would say that uh, I am way more efficient with my time and how I think about my time and how I prioritize things. Um, in the business, there's so much so much vying for my attention and um, so many you know we talked about it earlier, but so many problems you got to solve and and things that you need to prioritize that you really start getting good at prioritizing what's the most important. And um, I think I've, I've carried a lot of that into my personal life where I sort of identify the things, that, to the best of my ability, the things that I want to be spending my time doing. Um, and I think that that's come, that could just be partially getting older, but uh, I think it's also definitely influenced by having just a lot of inputs all the time in the business. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that once you are a business owner and you get to that level where you're operating like you are, it changes the way you operate in your regular life, too. And I mean, I think vice versa as well. But, you know, because you have to grow into being a different type of person psychologically in order to handle everything that's being thrown at you. And the more you scale and the more your business develops, the more responsibility you innately have. And so mm-hmm. now, and the reason you're, I'm sure, building this business is number one, you're passionate about it, but number two, it's to provide for your family, mm-hmm. right? So I mean, that's something there as well that makes it more important to you. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'd be lying if I said that that uh, you know we're all capitalists. We want to have success in our in our business, and uh, it definitely motivates me to grow the business bigger and and employ more people and bring in more money and you know, be able to do things, also do more things with the profits we generate. So scaling the business is, is a is a big priority for us and uh, something that, that I and the rest of the team are super passionate about. And while you do it, make life a little more comfortable for everyone else who's sleeping in different places or just watching Netflix at the end of the day, right? Exactly. Yeah. Anywhere, everywhere. <laughs> everywhere. That's it. Well, Wiley, thank you so much for being here. I've had so much fun chatting with you over the past couple of episodes. And I've loved everything you shared. I've learned a lot. I want to remind people, rumple.com is where they can go to check you out and all of your products, everything that you're doing, and to grab a blanket for their everyday needs. R-U-M-P-L.com is where they can go find that. Thanks again, my friend. Let's do this again soon. Thanks so much. I appreciate being on here. Thank you. Hey, everyone. I want to sincerely thank you for listening to the podcast. It really means a lot to me. Conversations are what I thrive on. It's something that I believe is so important for each and every one of us to have conversations that matter, to have conversations that connect us, to create relationships with each other. So the conversation that I have with the guests that are on the show, the conversations that the guests and I create to have with you are equally important and a great way for you to have conversations with us is to rate and review the podcast. So if you could go to Apple Podcasts, go to wherever you listen to your podcasts and rate and review this, it is much appreciated. And you can always find us 
at MediaMario.com. If you go to MediaMario.com, you can find all the things there. If you want to connect with the guests that I had on today or guests that I've had on the show in the past, you can go to MediaMario.com and get their information. If you want to connect with me and have a conversation with me, I welcome that. All my social links everywhere that you can find me all over the web is at MediaMario.com. So go there, visit us, connect with us. I'd love to have conversations with you. I hope you found value in today's show, and I can't wait to bring you the next conversation on the next episode of The Conversation Guy. Until then, have a wonderful day, and we'll talk to you real soon.